When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramelides. I'm joined by Sid Lowe, who's back from Malaga, where he witnessed Spain get off to a winning start under new manager Luis de la Fuente, beating Norway 3-0 in their opening Euro qualifier. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Philip. How are you? How was, how was Malaga, firstly? First and foremost, where did you have lunch, as a true Spaniard would ask? Unfortunately, I didn't get to have lunch. Uh, I got what? to Malaga late, straight to the ground, but... Um, had enormous success post-game ah. in one of those places that looks, to be perfectly honest, looks awful. Yes. Right? It looks like a, an, a, an absolutely abysmal place, uh, very near the ground, late because you've come out of the ground late because you've, obviously you've had the match, you've got the post-match stuff, and you think, well, it's open. This place <laughs> has one thing to it, which is open, and it's only sort of half open, you know, some of those chairs are stacked away, and, and it sort of looks pretty bad to be honest but you think well we'll go in and ask uh, have you got any food and they sort of look at you like you're a bit mad you know I don't know if you've just got a bit of ham or some cheese or something because you know you're not gonna have a kitchen open and the lady says to us well some got some lomo I think oh, all right fair enough okay a bit of lomo a bit of bread thinking that the lomo would come out you know like it does out of a packet just some some lomo on a plate yeah it's pork she went into yeah. the kitchen yeah. and cooked it for us yeah we had freshly cooked lomo it was tremendous Ideal. So, so it, was, uh, it was a, it was a huge success um, with a few sort of slightly drunk late st- stragglers still in there. Um, good. Long after all the fans had gone home. Good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Spain obviously beating Norway by uh, three goals to nil. Yeah, a- that's the least important element here. <laughs> I mean, you know, Sid got to eat some pork afterwards, which is the, the headline, really. That's the top line, and then everything else comes afterwards. It was a packed La Rosaleda. Okay, the, the stadium in Malaga only holds 30,000, but the tickets sold out very, very quickly. It was, it looked like a, re- a really good atmosphere, perhaps surprisingly, given Spain's quite insipid exit from the World Cup just a couple of months ago in a country where the national team does often struggle to unite people and get people behind it. But it looked good, Sid. People seem to be back on board with Spain already. Yeah, I think the the context of this is obviously the way that Spain manage their games in Spain. And I think there's this sense sometimes of, because they don't have a national stadium, 
because there isn't a, a kind of, if you like, a, a home of Spain games, although it's true that the really big ones tend to go to Madrid or Seville or sometimes Valencia, one of those three cities. And, and there's this idea of Seville as being kind of talismanic for Spain, that when you really need a big, noisy fan base, when you really need to create atmosphere and win a game, go to Seville. But one of the things that Spain does, and this is a product of not having a national stadium, it's a product of, it, actually it's genuinely a product of politics as well. The way that the federation is built up of territorial federations, if you like, or regional federations that then kind of vote into the structure. And what that means is that Spain rotates its games all around the country. Now, it's true that in recent years it's been tilted heavily towards La Catuja, which I think is a really bad idea to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but obviously there's a, there's a financial agreement there with the, with the, with the local government. Um, but what that means is it goes around Spain and you have this sense of kind of occasion. You have this sense of the travelling circus coming to town, this sense that this, is, this really does feel like everyone's national team when it's like this. And so when you get a city like Malaga, and I must confess off the top of my head, I can't tell you when the last time Spain went to Malaga was. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a while. It was I less saw... than a year ago. It was less than a year ago. Was it? Yeah. Well, well, okay. I wasn't. Uh, I think I wasn't at that one. Then the last one I remember, I think, I think I remember Roberto Soldado scoring there before, just before one of the tournaments, possibly even one of the ones that they won, maybe maybe two thousand twelve or, or, or two thousand and eight. Um, anyway, so they go around the country. That tends to mean, as you've already mentioned, slightly smaller stadiums. It tends to mean a real sense of occasion that you know here comes the national team, and so it did build up, and there was a good atmosphere, and there was a, a, a sense that this. This was kind of important beyond, if you like, the context of the national team itself. Now, as you say, that context also plays a part. Post-World Cup, you'd expect it to be a bit down. But I think the, just the idea that, well, it's a new start. The idea that there's some players that you haven't seen before, I think, is, is quite exciting. There's always just been, been this idea before, hasn't there? Where sometimes there's a discussion about whether or not there should be a nod to the place that they're playing. And it tends to help if you've got someone local who goes and plays in, in, in one of these cities, it tends to happen. Now, there wasn't anyone from, from Malaga. For example, had Isco been there? Yeah. In fact, you know what? Was Isco the last time that Spain played in Malaga? Because no, it's they, they played in Malaga on the 12th of June last year and they beat the Czech Republic 2-0. No, no, sorry, but Isco wasn't playing in that one, was there? But there's, there's one not long ago in Malaga that I remember making a point of how the way that the, the, the local accent, the way they chant Malaga, you can actually hear, ch- chant Isco, you can hear the Malagueño accent in, in the chanting of Isco. Anyway, so that creates Ico. a sense of occasion. Ico. Ico, exactly. So it's almost a J sound <laughs> as, as much as, a, as, as an S. Ico. Um, there's, so there's a sense of occasion. I think that helps to overcome the, some of the doubts around the Spanish national team. Right. I am going to challenge, though, the prevailing belief here. Which is? Because I think the prevailing belief is about the bias of some of the media rather than the, 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 the sense of the fans. There's a, there was a reaction to this post-game which sort of said, you see, they're excited now about Luis de la Fuente and having less Luis de Enrique <laughs> behind. I don't buy that. Nah. I think if the Spain team with Luis Enrique had turned up in Malaga, I think we'd have had the same atmosphere. Um, we're going to keep talking about Spain in just a second, but I want to tell you what's coming up at patreon.com forward slash TSFP this week. We're going to have a Q&A pod on Tuesday answering all your questions and a bonus pod on Thursday talking about Spain against Scotland and looking ahead to match day 27 in La Liga. Patrons also got a brand new episode of Rincón Cultural last week as Al and I discussed the ideal Spanish bar, reggaeton, culture shocks and learning Spanish. Come and join us. And don't forget to look out for another re-release of TSFP Presents Super Seasons here on 
on the Monday podcast feed too. So if you enjoyed Sid's chat about his late night delicious pork experience in Malaga, you'll enjoy <laughs> Rincon Cultural, our, our cultural podcast. So come and join us, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. One, one, one of the questions was about reggaeton, Sid, and we are, was asked whether, whether or not we quite like it. And Sid, Al and I are, are actually, you know, not averse to the idea of a bit of reggaeton, but because you weren't there on the podcast, I defended you and said, Sid, if he was here, he would say it's absolute garbage. So I did stick up for you there and, and put, put yeah. across your um, your feelings. I should add. I should add to this particular point that um, that <laughs> that my son is is very not much not into reggaeton, but he's also slightly unfair on it. <laughs> in that for him, reggaeton is now just shorthand for music he doesn't like. So any music he doesn't like, even if it's not reggaeton, this is oh that's reggaeton. He said it's really not. It really isn't reggaeton. But I, I like the fact that it's become a sort of a one word. <laughs> A sort of a one-word definition for something that's a bit your, rubbish. Your, your work is done. Well done. Uh, good, good, good parenting yeah. there. Um, what do we think of the starting eleven then for, for Spain against uh, Norway? It was Kepper in goal, Carvajal, Nacho, Laporte, Balde, Rodri, Mereno, Gavi, Olmo, Aspas, and Morata. Uh, only four uh, remaining from the last starting eleven that was selected by uh, Luis Enrique. Yeah, I think there are two things here. One is the starting eleven. And then the other is the construction of that starting mm-hmm. 11. Uh, starting 11 in terms of names, I don't think you can look at that starting 11 and have any enormous problem with it. I don't think you can look at it and say, that's a terrible starting 11. And this is one of the interesting things about this national team. As you say, only four from the World Cup in that starting 11. Um, you had 16 World Cup players not even in the squad. It feels like a dramatic turnaround. But as we were talking about briefly last week, actually, if you look at the players there, it doesn't feel like an, an enormous break. It doesn't feel like a, a really dramatic change because some of the changes are enforced upon you. So, so obviously you, you have Sergio Busquets who's retired and Unai Simon who, who is injured. So there's two potential starters who, who are not in it. There's one or two other absences that you that are not necessarily the manager's fault at the moment. You know, this ongoing doubt about whether Ansu Fati will recover the level that he's had before. Um, you know, there's, there's one or two other kind of changes that you think, okay, they're sort of enforced or they're just an evolution with time. So there isn't a really obvious absentee. In fact, for me, the obvious absentee was already an absentee, and that's David De Gea. Yes. So you, you sort of look at it from that point, and you think, well, that sort of makes sense, even if it's a, a, a relatively, well, a very significant shift since the World Cup. For me, the thing that was strange about this starting eleven was the formation. Um, and, and regular listeners of this podcast will know that, that we will defend Barry. Aspas. And I'm going to defend Barry Aspas now because there was something very strange I thought about the formation, which in theory was, I suppose, a 4 2 3 1. Yes. Uh, with two midfielders alongside each other. One's Rodri and the other is, is Mikel Marino. But actually, what I thought we had was Rodri on his own and two in front of him, which were Marino and Aspas. Yeah. And I thought it was slightly strange that Aspas was playing in this sort of slightly deep position. And then Gavi was sort of a forward, but kind of floating around the left-hand side of the midfield somewhere. And so I wasn't impressed with the formation or the performance from Spain. But I think in terms of starting eleven, I don't think there's too much that you could criticise in terms of that lineup. Now, maybe you could, you could discuss alternatives to the wings maybe you'd say you'd like Nico Williams in there maybe you'd like the wings to be a bit more open and people running at people a bit more so maybe it's not Gavi on the on the left it's it's someone who actually opens the pitch out um but there wasn't too much wrong with it I think okay so in terms of the starting 11 not too much wrong with it the substitutes seem to have a, a 
big impact. We'll talk about Dani Ceballos in, in just a second. But Joselu, what a story this is. He comes on in the 81st minute for his debut in the Spanish national team, just a few days short of his 33rd birthday. He scores in the 84th minute and then he scores again in the 85th minute. A lot of people were suggesting that Spain before did not have a plan B. Is Joselu their plan B? Well, yes. Um, now, and that's not to say, by the way, that he's their only plan B, because I think the inclusion of Borja Iglesias is a potential plan B as well. Um, but it's a different profile, and we should probably And Borja Iglesias was left that, out of the matchday squad here. Yes, yes, he was. He was included in, in the squad, but two men were left out of the matchday squad, and he was one of them. Um, we should make clear at this point that the idea of a plan B was, was an idea that actually Iago Aspas floated in the pre-match press conference. He, he had been asked about this, and he said... And, and I, I like the awareness of Aspas because he started talking about the Luis Enrique team at the World Cup. And, and I think it's it would have been easy for Aspas to have a dig because I think he would be entitled to feel a little bit mistreated by Luis Enrique, certainly in terms mm. of his opportunities with the national team. And he said, look, I watched him play and he gave an analysis. He said, sometimes I felt there was a lack of a plan B in those moments when it's not quite working for you. And then he sort of, there was a pause and he sort of looked at the audience, the audience being obviously journalists, and he said... There you go, you've got your headline. <laughs> yes, yes, they have. And, and a lot of people latched onto that. And I think, it, I think it's a legitimate criticism, by the way, of Luis Enrique. And we said this before the World Cup, didn't we? When we talked about not so much the centre forwards, but the wide attackers, Sarabia, Olmo and so on. Now, Nico Williams was a bit different. Nico Williams was a bit different. Maybe Jeremy Pino could be a bit different. Um, but we talked about how it felt a little bit like you were getting more and more of the same profile of player not the same level necessarily and not exactly the same skill sets but broadly speaking a similar profile and that at times you wonder where the opportunity was to to break that up to play a little bit differently um, and and Joselu can be that kind of striker because stronger in the air uh, more of a fixed reference point someone you can go to who can maybe hold the ball up although I actually think Borja Iglesias does this better than Joselu I think Joselu is a better goal scorer um, and that's slightly different approach and then of course in a game like this and we'll, we'll come on to this in a minute, where Spain are not playing particularly well when they're 1-0 up, but they want the goal, even if it, there's a point at which it feels like they're almost trying to protect themselves. Having that alternative is important. I also think it's, it's noticeable, and I'm as guilty as any journalist in this, by the way, that at times you can be, you can be conditioned by what people say and what, they, um, and, and what they express about the team as much as what you watch on the pitch. And Luis de la Fuente has been very clear about constantly using the word versatile variety of players and stuff and I think that's partly a way of of trying to express that I am different to Luis Enrique it's also a reality and you know here is the reality on the pitch that you have a different type of player and you have an alternative way of playing or an alternative way at least maybe not of playing but of making things happen and 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 that's how it how it proved yeah the two goals were one is a is a really good header we know how good he is in the air and the other one is him being in the right place in the right time inside the penalty area to uh, to sort of sweep yeah. home a, a a rebound so um, a big impact from from Joselu. why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to quickly talk about uh, Dani Ceballos as well before we move on to a sort of a deeper analysis of Spain uh, as a whole. Uh, what did you make of this uh, cameo from Ceballos in the second half? They seemed to improve a bit when he when he came on onto the pitch. And, and do you think he could force his way into the starting eleven under a manager who knows him and likes him very well, very much? Yeah. Yeah, this is a manager who likes him a lot, um, which is why I was slightly surprised that he didn't start. But I think that that's something about the profile of the midfield, which I think now actually will shift back towards the Bios, particularly because the experiment of Aspas in what was, as I said before, almost an interior position, that, that, that mm. kind of inside midfielder really didn't work. And I don't think it's necessarily Aspas's fault, um, but he didn't play well. Uh, Ceballos, I thought, was brilliant. In fact, this was this was the question that I asked in the post-match press conference because obviously we were all focused on José Lu and that's entirely normal and it's entirely right as well when a player comes on and has an impact and you know this is a guy who's got a 15-year career and he's 33 this morning he's just turned 33 now and gets his Spain debut and scores in four minutes and 15 seconds he's, he's on the pitch he scored twice so it's extraordinary but I think the actual shift in the sense of the game comes with Ceballos I think mm. he took control of the ball. He's he's an interesting player for Bayes and, and a very curious one. And and Owl obviously as a as someone who watches Arsenal a lot has 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 a really clear view on this. I, I think that the Bayes is one of these guys who who simultaneously can seem to slow the game down and speed it up. In that mm. he he gives speed on the ball and he and he's and he uses the ball really well. He uses it quickly, but also then sometimes will slow it down because he'll keep it and he'll hold it and he'll wait for spaces to come up. I think technically he's he's lovely to watch. There's a there's a there's a real smoothness about him, even when he's not doing anything in particular, if you sort of mean. But he gave Spain back a degree of control that I felt that felt that they've really lost. They had really really lost it from from the first goal, which is what I think twelve minutes in until Ceballos comes on, I think, on 51. Um, it takes him a little while. I would say, basically, from about 12 minutes to about an hour, Spain didn't really have control. And actually, even after Ceballos came on, and so I don't want to overstate his case, Norway still had chances. And actually, had it not been for a really bad miss from Sorloff, I think this finishes 1-1. Uh, I think mm. Norway score, and the game finishes 1-1. Mm. Um, but Ceballos, I thought, was really, really important. And I do think he will probably end up being the the ball-playing midfielder alongside Rodri. Uh, this leads us on to, as we said, the deeper discussion of to the general performance of Spain. If you didn't watch the game and you're seeing the, the scoreline and Spain beating Norway 3-0 on paper, it looks like it was a relatively comfortable victory. It wasn't. Norway had chances, some really good chances. They were without Erling Haaland as well. With Haaland, I'm sure this is probably a, a different game. Even without him, it should probably have finished 1-1, as you said. Yeah, um, and they had... I'm not going to try... I'm not going to overplay this and say that, that, no. that Norway had Spain on, on, on the ropes, but they, they had good chances. There's a really good chance from Erdegaard when he also gets fouled. As he's taking terribly, the shot, terrible fact. Yeah, and, and it was it was bizarre because no one sort of seemed to notice except for no. Erdegaard himself, except who was kind Erdegaard of saying something, and, and everyone kind of carried on. Here. Yeah, yeah. And, and everyone just sort of carried on as if it as if it hadn't <laughs> happened. Um, there's a, a extraordinary save from Kepper where he throws his hands up. But I think he actually saves it with his head. It's yeah. a volley from close range that, that he heads over the bar somehow. And mm-hmm. uh, there's another save from Kepper in the second half. And then, as I say, there's this Sorloff miss. 
um, which for me is a, a really, really bad miss. And you see it again. And actually, he, it, you can see why he misses because he hits it with his shin. He tries to volley it and he hits it with his shin and it goes wide. And that's with about 10 minutes to go, a little bit before, um, before José Lu scores. Spain, I thought, you know, one of the things that happens, in, and I think there is a risk that we overplay it sometimes, is when you get a new manager, you're looking for things that are different. Mm. So you're struck by things that are different, but things that are the same also strike you. So there was the, the Spain's ability to sort of play themselves into trouble was still there. They would they would I think trying to play out from the back a little bit less than previously, but a couple of times they got themselves into trouble. I thought Danny Carvajal looked oddly oddly out of out of place to me. Um, he has a little bit recently with Real Madrid as well, and he's mm-hmm. a player that I think actually makes a much bigger impact on Real Madrid in terms of them performing better than I think people normally realise. But he hasn't been. Uh, great over the last few weeks and, and he looks slightly oddly out of place I think they felt a little bit uncomfortable um, with the ball and yeah Norway had two or three really good chances to have uh, to have equalised or, or, or possibly even won this game and Spain didn't look great in possession and I think that structure in the midfield is possibly part of it because as I say certainly in the first half it felt like Rodri was on his own and, and those two inside midfielders both, both Marino and Aspas were quite often quite a long way away from him it sometimes felt almost like a four-one-five. Mm-hmm. You know, is that the right number of players? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> for a minute there, I thought I've done my maths again, um, and and it was sort of like there was a big gap. And Gavi, I thought, was good as usual in terms of pressing and in terms of putting putting opponents under pressure and trying to win the ball back. But Gavi didn't really get on the ball very much. With, you know, with the ball himself and, and, and a player that was important with the ball. I liked Marino's performance, but I thought it was a little bit further forward than I might have anticipated. He's the one that effectively creates the first goal because he keeps in a completely lost lost cause and goes and wins it in the corner and Spain score from there. Uh, and I just, I wasn't sure about the structure of that midfield. I didn't, I, basically I wasn't very impressed, to be honest, after the first goal. Hmm. Let's see what happens this week because... They're playing Scotland, Sid, who squeezed past Cyprus 3-0 on on Saturday. Actually, I'm being a little bit facetious, but in truth, I think Scotland were actually a little bit fortunate to be 3-0 up against uh, Cyprus, uh, much like Spain against Norway. So let's see how they get on against uh, against Scotland. In truth, Spain should qualify for the European Championships pretty easily. We're not expecting them yeah. to have uh, too many shocks, but it is a new era. There are some new players. There's... A new man at the helm as well. So let's see how the uh, Spain national team uh, develop over the coming weeks and months. Just yet, before we move on, did this game... Well, it didn't necessarily leave you feeling particularly hopeful for the future, or did it? Um, well, look, I mean, the first thing... Let, let's take the future as meaning the immediate future. Uh, no, I mean, say, maybe Spain. long-term future. Maybe because Luis okay, is so, going to be there for a while, right? We think he's going to be there for a while. Uh, he's going to take them into the next tournament, barring something, you know, ridiculous happening. Exactly. So, you know. Well, he'll take them to the next tournament and they will be there, as you say. I mean, the structure of qualifying means it would be extraordinary if Spain don't make it. And I just don't think that's possible. I think Norway will make it as well. Um, so, so, mm. so, you know, really and, really and truly this, while it's true that Luis de la Fuente didn't have what a lot of incoming managers have, which of course is a couple of friendlies to bed everything in and before you start playing competitively, he had the difficulty of being forced to compete from the very start. But really and truly, although this is Norway and it could have been tough and had Haaland been there, it might have been different. They should still get through this group and they should still be in the Euros. So, so it does feel a little bit like it's not as dramatic as it looks. The summer they've got the final four, of course, of the Nations League. 
Um, yes. A more long-term thing. I look at this team and, and you know, that, that optimism, which is sometimes projected by age, you'd say, well, it's a young team and they could really come through. But this is a curious combination of a young team and really not a young team at all. Because Hosselu's mm. not young, Borja Iglesias is not young, Aspas is not young. And if you like, those are the three, and, and, and Nacho's not young. And those are maybe the four outstanding additions to the squad. You know, the ones that you say, oh, well, that's mm. a really interesting change from before. Marino, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember how old he is. I would say he's 27 or 28. So he's not especially young. He's an addition to midfield. But a bit he's, younger. He's a bit younger, is he? Oh, yeah. But he's, so he's, he's young enough that he can be there for a while. But this isn't where you say, oh, look, there's real talent coming through. That said, given continuity, I suppose you might say, well, look, given continuity, maybe Marino will be really, really good. Um, I think Rodri, yeah. we all know how good he is. I wonder, I wonder about Subi Mendy, whether, whether he'll end up playing mm-hmm. a part, but I don't see a role for him and Rodri and Ceballos and Marino. There's no way that all four of those play. Um, obviously, Gavi and Pedri changed things and Pedri wasn't, wasn't available this time, so that's maybe different. I wonder where he's going to put, put Pedri. But I don't look at this and think, wow, this is amazing. I think we come back to something that we've been saying for a while now, and we were saying this about Luis Enrique, and actually it felt like in the Euros, the last Euros, Luis Enrique had overcome this a little bit, which is to find a structure that works when you've got a team of really good players, but maybe not absolutely outstanding ones. Mm. You know, you look at the Spain team, you think, is there a player in there? You say, well, wow, he's one of the best three or four in the world in his position. And the answer is probably not with maybe the possible exception, if he's got time and can develop, of, of Pedri and Gavi maybe as well. Um, but neither of them are quite yet, there yet. So in terms of optimism, to be honest, my response to that is, this is Spain as I kind of expect Spain to be. Es lo que hay, Sid, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. As they say yeah, in Spanish, it, it, is, it, what is, it is. is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, we had uh, football taking place in Spain this weekend in the Segunda División. Let me uh, tell you what's going on there in the battle to get promoted to La Liga. Leaders Eibar were held to a nil-nil draw by Andorra. Granada are within two points of them after beating Oviedo 1-0. Just as well you didn't go see it. Eh? Uh, Levante are... I tell you what, Oviedo's yeah. goals this year. Do you want me to... I'm going to read you this because it's funny. You, you, the goal you, scored you, by you Oviedo this year. Are you ready? Yeah. I want to because I found myself bizarrely kind of I'm, I'm sort of drawn to this in a in a slightly obsessive sort of way. This is Oviedo's goal scored in the league this season. Are you ready? Zero one zero zero one one zero one zero one 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 zero zero one 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 zero zero one one zero 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 one 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 zero. That's us. In a world that's non-binary, we are the traditionalists. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. He really wanted to do it, so I couldn't, I couldn't stop him. But yeah, Didn't you score three in one game? Or am I going crazy? Or you conceded three? No, we conceded three. Those are oh, the goals we've scored. Wow. I mean, mostly we've only conceded one or not as well. So, yeah. so yeah, you know, yeah. if, you, if you take out a couple of twos and a one-three... Then, yeah. it, then it's like that for the away team as well. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, Levante are two points behind second place Granada. Uh, they won 1-0 at Racing. Las Palmas, Alaves and Albacete complete the playoff places. It's actually really tight. The top five are all competing for automatic promotion spots. So it is uh, really tight. By the way, Ivan Morante scored the goal of the season oh. for Ibiza in their 2-0 win over Burgos. Go and find it. Watch it. Enjoy it. And watch it again. And again, because it is an extraordinary goal, particularly coming for a side who are, you know, almost relegated, all but mathematically relegated. And uh, they are up against a uh, pro- promotion chasing Burgos. And this is an unbelievable goal. Go and find it. It's fantastic. Uh, we also had uh, Barca Femini beating Real Madrid 1-0 in the uh, Clasico in the Liga F uh, on Saturday, thanks to a second half penalty from Rolfo. Barca 
have won all 23 of their league games so far this season. They've scored 99 goals and conceded five. So pretty impressive goal difference there for Barca Femini, as tends to be the case for the most dominant women's side, I think, in European football. Yeah, that said, it was 1-0 this time. And, and, it's getting and, closer, and isn't it? By, yeah, with, it's getting closer. With a, with a penalty. And, yeah. and, and it's probably worth pointing out, it's a really ropey penalty as well. Right. So it is getting closer, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, soon, soon maybe Real Madrid will be able to take a point or so off of, of Barca Femini and, and see how we get on. Tuesday, as we said, we've got Scotland against Spain at Hampden Park. So looking forward to seeing what happens there. And then obviously uh, match day 27 in La Liga is coming up uh, at the weekend as we get back to business. There might not be too much of a title race for us to discuss. Although, you know, it's not completely over yet, although it is all but over. These are the fixtures coming up this weekend. Uh, Friday, you've got Mallorca against Osasuna. Then a Catalan derby on Saturdays, Girona host Espanyol. Athletic Club Getafe, Cadiz against Sevilla is huge. Andalusian derby. First game in charge for José Luis Mendilibar at Sevilla. It's a massive game. Make sure you're watching that. And uh, Elche, bottom club, have got a new manager. They're all but mathematically down and they host Barcelona. Then on Sunday, it's Celta Almeria, Real Madrid Valladolid, Villarreal Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid against Betis, Monday night Valencia against Raya. So that's what's coming up uh, this weekend. We've told you what's coming up at patreon.com forward slash TSFP this week for all our patrons. Make sure you get involved in the uh, Patreon stuff. Lots of content there if you <laughs> like Spanish football. So. Smooth. Yeah. The patron stuff. Uh, we'll see you there, patrons. And if not, we'll see you here next Monday, as always. Adios. Cheerio. Network.